everyone has a best friend. That one person you can't get enough of, who makes you laugh, who you have the most fun with, who you can travel with or just sit with on the couch in warm silence. The one you turn to in times of trouble. It was obsessive. We could not get enough of each other. And, you know, I remember coming home and just going, oh, Todd, oh, my God, Kelly is fantastic. Now that she's opened up to me, she's actually awesome. Oh, my God, she's so funny, she's so smart. That's Peter Gay, or better known as PG. Her best friend was Kelly, and her husband was Todd. She thought Todd was her best friend until she met Kelly, and she started spending all her free time with her. And all her thoughts were about her. In fact, she started to actually like talking to and hanging out with Kelly more than her husband. And then one day... Oh my God, I've just kissed my best friend. I'm Georgia Love and this is Everyone Has an Ex. Come with me as we dive into a collection of unconventional stories about relationships past through the eyes and the hearts of the very people who lived them. Like any good old-fashioned love story, PG started in her late teens when she was studying law in Tasmania and spotted a cute boy across the study hall. Oh, how very legally blonde. We had law classes together and so we were just hanging out um, at at the law um, faculty and it was just this, you know, amazing pull together between us and that was it. Like we were hooked on each other. Todd was like just this cute, tall, sweet guy and... Um, the moment I met him, I was like, well, that's it. Like I could just marry this guy. And at 18, you know, you get, you just get so all in. And I remember we both felt like that at the start. And, uh, yeah, he was just a really kind, sweet, um, smart and lovely guy. And I just thought, oh, he is just everything that I really want in a guy. And I just, we were just, deeply in love from the very start. It was young love at first sight. We worked really well as a team together studying um, to, you know, in our law degree. And so I know, you know, I sort of look back on that time and just think, oh, you know, we were just a great team together. Um, And Todd was... um, We'd, we moved out uh, pretty much straight away and uh, I lived with his family for a while and uh, and then also we moved in together in our own little tiny flat in Sandy Bay in Tasmania and studying law together and, um, and it was, you know, we were just all in, you know, it was just uh, every moment of every day together, you know, just obsessed with each other. Things progressed this way over the next few years. It wasn't the most interesting love story. There was no drama or scandal. It was just nice. A normal, happy first relationship. And it went on like this for five years until they both finished their degrees and decided to make the move to the big smoke of Melbourne. And it's probably no surprise what happened next. You know, it was like, oh, well, we, we'll get engaged then. That's the next thing to do. Um, and uh, Todd had come up with this, like, massive grand gesture of a 
proposal for me. And I'm like a grand gestures kind of girl. I need like, you know, something really big and special and, you know, amazing. And um, yeah, Todd took me on a tour of his childhood and proposed to me um, at the end of that tour. And it was all these, like, he was very creative, Todd. Um, And all these various elements, like there was about six or eight stops. And at each stop, he would tell me about our relationship and the thing that reminded him of... um, from his childhood about our relationship. And so it was like the best grand gesture, really. They didn't rush anything. They knew what they had was forever. They still had all the time in the world. And since they'd met so young and had both only just started working, they took their time. They waited and saved up until they could afford their perfect dream wedding. It was our 10-year anniversary and so we went all out. Like we had an autumn theme and I had like bagpipe um, pipers like piping us into the reception and um, it was it was a really cool like I, you know I did that big white dress and you know lost a ton of weight for it and um, you know it, it was it was so amazing and it was it was a very fun celebration and it was very much um, the bringing together of all of these 10 years and creating something that was just so amazing. Todd and I just slipped into married life and and went for it, you know, like we were working really hard in our careers. We are both uh, quite senior lawyers by that point. So, you know, there were long days and uh, long hours and, you know, we would just get into our little rhythm of going to the gym and hanging out with friends and I'd cook these lavish dinner parties and have friends around and, you know, we, we'd play board games and, and you know, we had our cat and it was just a, a really lovely, you know, easy go with the flow kind of thing. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of conflict because Todd just wasn't that type of person um, and, you know, like we we just get on with life. Yeah, so life was just going along as normal, really. Uh, and then I got this new job working at Seabus Superannuation. And I rolled into that job. And like, although it was so funny at the interview, this was like the best thing. Um, my boss said, now look, um, you know, if you were to get this job, uh, it's really important that you get on well with the investment team. You've got to get on well with them because legal and investments work together really closely and you've got to get on well. I'm like, oh, don't worry, everyone loves me. It's like not going to be a problem. The investment team colleague she'd be working so closely with, she discovered, was Kelly. She was on holidays when I'd got there. And uh, so for two weeks I was all on my own and by this point like I'd worked up a frenzy of needing to see someone, talk to someone. And, you know, I was sharing an office with Kel. And uh, as soon as she walked in, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. My new friend has arrived. Hi, I'm Peter Gay. And what did Kelly think of her new desk buddy? She didn't stop talking. And I'd just got back from holidays and I had a lot of work to do. And I didn't want to be rude, but I I had to turn to her and say, look, do you mind if I just get my work done? I I don't want to be rude, but I can't talk for a while because PG had just, you know, was running with it. And I was like, this is is a lot. And it wasn't just those first couple of days, it was the first couple of weeks and I just thought this girl's too much. So it wasn't quite besties at first sight. 
I remember just thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be such a long day if she won't talk to me. And, but then at first I thought, oh, yeah, you know, work, work, it's fine. You know, that's what you're here to do. That's, you know, work, sure. Um, and then, like, it came to about sort of 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. I'm thinking, oh, surely she wants to have a chat now. And I remember turning around going, so, Kel, where, where have you, you know, where have you come from? Have you always, you know, how long you worked here? And, you know, and her withering look. And I remember just thinking, oh, I have got to work harder at impressing this girl. She is a tough nut to crack. And so I tried a lot harder and, um, yeah, that sort of, that's kind of where it went, a uh, little pear-shaped, really poor cow. I, and I remember just thinking, gosh, she's so quiet. She's so introverted. Isn't that weird? Why would they put me, like, to share an office with someone who's, like, so quiet? Oh, well, you know, I, I can feel the, the gap. I remember going home to my partner at the time and saying, oh, she's not quite right because it was too much. What would it take to make this workplace bearable for either of them? Well, it took a crime scene, actually. PG had been out for lunch and she'd witnessed a guy um, smash a car window and um, pull out a, a, a briefcase. And then she came back to the office and she called the cops and was reporting what had happened. And I'm like, ooh, German Shepherd ears because, you know, any sort of crime things, like I'm all, I'm all into that. I love SVU and all that stuff. Anyway, um, so, and it seemed to me that the cops weren't listening to her properly because she had to keep repeating, you know, what she'd already said. And so when she got off the phone, I was like, oh, do you mind if I ask? But I don't think the cops are doing a very good job here because, you know, you had to repeat yourself all the time. PJ's like, no, no, that's what they do. They check, you know, whether you you really know the story and how good a witness you'll be. And so they'll they'll deliberately ask you things that, you know, to check that. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then she went on with this, like, we got into body language and how she, you know, sort of knew that from her lawyer days and that. And, yeah, that then from there we didn't stop talking basically. Actually, look, it was the thing that I said to you that I could read a person to know whether they were lying. Oh, that's right, yes. Just by their body language that had you enthralled. That was Mm -hmm. the bit that you were just wanting to know more and more about that was it that was that was the hook I had you and she was hooked they both were it may have taken a while and first impressions may not have been the best but once they started talking well they didn't stop it was obsessive we could not get enough of each other and you know I remember coming home and just going oh Todd oh my god Kelly is fantastic now that she's opened up to me she's actually awesome oh my god she's so funny she's so smart she's this she's that and I remember Todd just going okay well let's have them over. So the friendship was officially moving outside of the four walls of work. For PG the most exciting thing was finally getting to meet Kelly's boyfriend John She knew he existed, but Kelly never really spoke about him, so she had no idea what to expect. So we had them over for dinner and I remember just having the best time with Kel and just thinking that her boyfriend was a total fucking dick. And I remember just thinking, and I said to Todd at the end of the night, why are they together? She is so smart and he's a dickhead. Honestly, what have they got in common? And I, like John, her ex, would just infuriate me because he would pick fights for the point of just arguing with with someone, like he just wanted to argue and not from a learned perspective either. He would just be poking the bear. Um, And then he'd put her down and, you know, I would see 
you know, things that he'd say that would just damage her self-esteem and I'd be sitting there feeling fiercely vicious about what he just said to her and how it had damaged her and, you know, and I remember just thinking, God, why, why is she with him? Kelly had never said it out loud before but actually she'd already started to think the same thing. We'd been together about seven years and we were very, we were not very similar at all and I don't think that we, you know, had any real connection points and, I mean, I, I think, you know, I stayed in that relationship because I wanted to be in a relationship essentially and, you know, I learnt, I learnt from that but, um, you know, we hooked up, we'd met at a, a club and that's a bit of an embarrassing story um, and I think I just felt like, oh, I want to make this work because, you know, started started a bit crappy. Well, when I was listening to PG talk about how wonderful Todd is and was, I was just thinking, oh, I didn't have that. You know that feeling, that scary realisation that pings somewhere in the back of your mind the first time you think, actually, I don't know if I want to be with this person. Well, it started to chip away at her more and more, but it wasn't until about a year later it all came crashing down, literally. It was a New Year's and um, he'd been, like he brewed his own beer and he'd been squirting everybody with it and just being painful. Anyway, so he, um, he because of the fireworks, he decided to climb on the roof of the house, which it wasn't the sort of roof you can really get up and, you know, be safe on. And I remember saying to PG, oh, well, if he falls off, I'll get the house. And then he fell off. He literally did. Yeah. And Kel's like, oh, my God, I made that happen. I'm like, no, you didn't. He's a dickhead. You know, like she rushes off to the hospital and Todd and I stayed and cleaned up the house for them and all of that. And and I remember, yeah, the next day Kel going, that's it. I'm breaking up with him. We're done. I'm not putting up with this anymore. How embarrassing. Mm. Like, I think that was the thing. He embarrassed me a lot. So they broke up. After seven years, Kelly was alone. Well, sort of. When you've been with someone a while, it is a bit scary thinking about being by yourself. But PJ and Todd were actually really great to me. Like, they really supported me through that and helped me get set up in another house and, um, you know, they'd have me over for dinner. And so I felt like I actually got a lot of support from them. This only made their friendship even stronger. That obsessive friendship like I was so protective of her and any any time he would do anything to hurt her I'd just have so many issues with it and you know have a go at him and you know just really make sure she was okay and and you know like at the time I remember thinking oh there might you know what why am I so invested in this you know like but then I just think oh well, it's just what you've got to do with your best friend. And, you know, we were spending all this time together because she wanted to get out of the house. So every weekend, you know, every night she was at Tottenham and every weekend we'd, you know, go shopping or do something or go to a musical or do something fun. And so we just got closer and closer really during that time. A big part of it actually was PG making me over because oh. I was a bit like <laughs> I was always, I've never really fussed about appearance and like, I mean, at the end of the day, I like to look nice, but I'd always say, oh, I'll keep my best face for the special occasions. So, and PG would always be like, why wouldn't you want to wear your best face every day? And I'm like, yeah, it's actually a good point. No, I'm not making this up. 
And yes, I know it's super cliche, but these 28 and 30-year-old women seriously did bond over a teenage rom-com style makeover. Kella lost her mum when she was young, so she didn't have a mum to help get her into that, you know, grooming side of things. And so, you know, I just took it upon myself to make her over. And, you know, so like, I, yeah, I remember like taking her, getting the clothes sorted, getting the shoes sorted, getting the makeup sorted. I took her to my hairdresser and he, you know, made over her hair. And she just went from being this like dark brunette, like that just did not suit her to these, you know, like reddish tones with like blonde highlights. And Kelly like just looked a million bucks. Like she, and also like, you know, she's just left a relationship of course you need a makeover right yeah like you know we had to get it back in the game and so yeah what what better than a makeover so we literally spent weekends like a, a month together every every day at work and then every weekend I would just make her over and then I'd you know put her outfits together and you know teach her how to do her makeup <laughs> A few months after the breakup from John and now with a fresh new look, Kelly was ready to get back into the dating scene. And while PG was technically helping her, she wasn't exactly supportive of her moving on. I was going to the, I think it was Oaks Day, uh, yeah, with some friends from work and PG um, I think helped me pick a dress and then Definitely. she was doing my makeup and she was taking forever and I just wanted to get to the races. And I'd taken the morning off work so I could do her mm-hmm. hair and makeup. Like that was a big like commitment really yeah it was and anyway like she it at the end of the day she just didn't want me to go so she was holding me up but then I went to Oaks Day and ended up kissing, kissing somebody this guy <gasps> I remember just being outraged that this had happened outraged and Todd's just looking at me like you know like you've made her over to give her confidence to get her back out into the dating world and now she's out in the dating world and she's got the confidence this is a good thing and, hey, like, winner, she's kissed someone. I'm like, but look at him. He is, look, she could do better than this. And then actually I ended up not telling her because it was just too difficult and I remember going on this date with this guy from the Bureau of Meteorology which I thought with climate change now, that would be a really good person to be with. But, um, I mean, that didn't work out. But I, I did tell you that later, didn't I? Mm-hmm. That was a big And then I, I think I told her what top that. I wore and it was a V-neck. And she's like, you wore that blue top? Because <laughs> I thought that was a bit, you know, revealing. Like, I couldn't believe she wore the blue. The blue top was not for him. I mean, God, some dork from the Bureau of Meteorology. And I remember just berating her and just saying that he's not good enough. How boring will he be? You know, I mean, a meteorologist, that's not going to be interesting chatter at lunch. And I'm like, was it? he wasn't interesting, was he? And she's like, no, he wasn't actually. You know, I mean, while I'm sabotaging every date that she went on, I did not think this was abnormal. I just thought I was just being you know, high standards. I thought I had high standards for her and, you know, I I knew best. I, you know, I knew who she should be with and it isn't him, you know, wasn't him either or the next guy. All the while, their friendship kept growing deeper and deeper. For my birthday one year, Kel organised this massive big trip to Sydney. Tickets to um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert musical, really fancy hotel, um, you know, the flights, everything. And gave it to him for my birthday and, and Todd's just like, oh, 
that's a really nice present, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, how great is this? <laughs> Kelly and I are going to Sydney. And when I had back surgery, which was also around that time, who was at my bedside when I woke up from anaesthetic? Kel's right there, you know, like Todd came in later, but Kel was waiting for me to wake up and was like thinking, I because I thought I was going to die that. I injury. thought you were going to die too <laughs> and I think that's why I was so like, I just felt like my world would fall apart if PG died. It's safe to say PG and Kelly got to a point where their relationship was pretty codependent. So what did this mean for PG's actual relationship? Yes, and my marriage. So I I think by this point with me just spending every waking minute with Kelly basically, you know, Todd was, you know, going cycling as it turned out and playing his games, you know, like computer games and and. Like we didn't really have um, a lot of time together anymore because I was filling it with Kelly. And, you know, I, I, I remember uh, sitting with, with Todd and just texting Kelly constantly. And that day we'd been watching movies um, in you know, with a blanket between us and when she'd gone home I gathered up the blanket and um, and I was folding it up and I got a, a whiff of her perfume that was on the blanket. Todd and I were just drifting apart. You know, things had, had reached that critical point where he wasn't happy, he didn't want to be in the relationship, I didn't want to be in the relationship but had no inkling that that was what I was unhappy about. And, you know, and I think you just go through the motions and it becomes this, well, you know, we met at uni and we, um, you know, moved states together and we set up a house here and we got engaged and we got married. We've got our careers and, you know, we've got a cat. And so we're all, we're doing all the right things. We're ticking all of the boxes and this is what normal is. But it wasn't normal. Oh, it was horrible. We were having this massive argument. And by this point in the relationship, we were just arguing all the time. Like every little thing would just set me off. And, you know, I had anger issues. You know, I was just not um, not my best self in my 20s. Uh, and, and, I, and things would set me off and I would just fly off the handle with these like massive amounts of anger. Poor Todd, he like didn't deserve that. Um, and, you know, I like these little things would just, create these big dramas and and again I'd do the silent treatment not try and talk things out it was just like this horrible lack of communication so by this point all these arguments all the time and Todd I remember Todd just saying to me during this huge doozy of an argument oh for fuck's sake PG can't you see you're in love with this woman and I remember just going what no, not in love with her. God, man, they don't get this. There was only one person she could speak to about this wild and crazy accusation. I remember just storming out from that argument and storming around to Kelly's house and just turning up on her doorstep and going, huh, he thinks I'm in love with you. And then there's this long pause. And she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, well, just can you say something? And and she's just like, well, are you? Okay, so we need to back up here for a second because that's probably not the reaction you'd expect when you lump that statement on your best friend. But what PG didn't know was that Kelly had already asked herself the same question. I had little things like um, at work I'd, I'd always be looking at her hands because she's got 
really beautiful hands and I'd look at them and i think, oh, they're beautiful hands and then like I thought she saw me doing that and I'd look away. I think I'd started to think, oh, you know, some of these things are more than just, you know, being friends. And um, so, yeah, before PG rocked up I'd already had a few of those thoughts, which is why I asked, well, is it love? And then I just remember um, because I I guess I I grew up in quite like a – I went to religious schools and stuff and so I'd I'd, I think I'd just always been conditioned to thinking that, you know, a man's with a woman and that you don't do anything but that. So I never thought outside that square. So back to that conversation. And she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, well, just can you say something? And and she's just like, well, are you? And I'm like, can you give me a vodka? I am not having this conversation sober. Like I need alcohol now. And we just whacked back a couple of shots and then I calmed down and then Kel's like, so... Do you reckon this is what this is? Is this like why we're kind of obsessed with each other? Is this like, is it love? I'm like, oh my God, is this like, really? I've never like fallen in love with a woman before. She's like, well, I've never fallen in love with a woman before. And then it was just a drunk conversation that turned into a drunk pash that turned into a far out. Yep, that's what this is. That was it. But then I remember the kiss being like I'd never experienced anything like that. It was, you know, just this like soul connection, I would call it, and, um, you know, just electric. And I I guess it made me also realise I'd never been in love with anyone. I'd had boyfriends and stuff but never been in love before. Then all the pieces kind of fell into place and it was sort of a bit like, well, yeah, I like, you know, it was, it was like a crescendo of all these abnormal things that had happened in our time together that you realise, oh, that's what that was. And, and then it's this weird thing of going, oh, my God, I've just kissed my best friend and it feels amazing. I'm married and he already thinks I'm in love with her. Oh, shit. Like, so, so I've gone from having this most magnificent, amazing electric soul connection kiss to then in my next breath just going oh guilt she had to get out she needed space and time to think about what on earth had just happened she couldn't tell todd not until she knew for sure what all this meant and they both had to work out what they wanted to do then i'm faced with this decision you know kel's single you know she's like oh well you know it's up to you pg who are you going to pick and I, and I was just in this world of agony, like, you know, Todd that I loved and really respected, like he's a good man and I didn't want to hurt him. And here I am sitting in this guilt for weeks, months, going what am I going to do about this? Do I leave this relationship that, you know, we've got all this life and, and years of runs on the board and so much promise of what is ahead of us, kids, you know, the house, all the rest of the list, my to-do list that I was ticking off. And then but how I felt with Kel and this feeling of like connection and our souls meeting and this knowing that we just had to be together and but this enormous 
guilt that I felt like this towards my best friend and trying to work out how I navigated it. You know, like, what do I do with these huge emotions? And it really, you know, every time I'd see Kel, I'd get these butterflies and, you know, we would just have this electricity between us and people would notice it at work and just look at us like something weird was going on. And, you know, and, and then I'd go home and I'd just feel deflated and, let down by everything and guilty that I was having such a good time at work but I felt like this at home and, you know, and every time I text Kelly I just felt like I was cheating, you know, and it was this horrible feeling of, of not knowing where to go and, and, it, and the turning point and it literally went on for months and I'd be elated at work and then I'd feel awful at home and this months and months of this and we had the counselling and we were, you know, seeing, seeing this great counsellor who was trying to put it all in perspective for me but not give me the answers and I wish he had have just gone, look, it's clear as day here, this is what you're meant to do but, you know, he was trying to get us to get to that point and Right before going in to see him one afternoon, um, Cal said to me, look, PG, I know if you pick Todd, it's okay because, you know, you've got 14 years with him, you barely know me, you know, we don't even know that we're going to work. So, you know, look, if you pick him, I get it, I get it. But if that happens, I'm going to have to move away. I'm going to have to move overseas for a couple of years because I'm not going to be able to sit around and watch you be in a relationship with him. So I'm going to have to leave. And I remember this heart-wrenching feeling and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed like I burst into tears at that point when she said that and I just thought, oh, my God, I'm, I, I, how do I lose her? I can't lose her. Todd just, I think, was just waiting for me to make that call and he knew I was having some counselling and he, he knew that I was working out what I wanted to do but it it he just really left me to my own devices about it he didn't try and help me or put any opinion on it he just you know was waiting for me to make the call and eventually she did you know I think Todd was quite relieved when I'd made up my mind to say yes I picked Kelly and you know I think um I think he was actually grateful for having had that decision made for him. So Todd was extremely helpful and he packed everything, which is great because I hate packing houses. And uh, he literally moved boxes into Kelly's house. He unpacked things at Kelly's house. It's very amicable. Like, (laughs) you know, you see people split up and it gets nasty and it's, you know, but... It was the most amicable split I think I've ever witnessed. Yeah, and, and I remember just, like, arguing over these Weezer CDs and just, like, it's my favourite band and he, and he really liked them too. And Todd's like, you know what, you can have the Weezer CDs. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's, it's fine, you take them. I'll take Radiohead. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, and, and, and literally the last night that I was in that house with Todd, um, we went out, all three of us went out to dinner and, you know, Todd had that moved us all day and you know we went out we got really drunk and had this great toast to the end of the relationship and the start of the new relationship and Todd wished us well and it was just a really lovely farewell of you know this this beautiful end of 14 years but it wasn't smooth sailing from every angle 
we battled so much with our emotions. And I, I think for Kel, it was really hard. She, you know, she'd grown up in a conservative household. You know, like her dad was unfortunately not uh, very receptive to me and Kelly going down this lesbian path. He didn't want me. And, you know, our family, we're always a bit like worried about what other people think. And I don't think he wanted me to go down a path that was just going to be a phase. Like he, I think he thought, you know, we might last a couple of months and then it'd be over but you'd have to go and tell everybody and everybody had to go through the whole, oh, Kelly's a lesbian and what does that mean and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I think like at the end of the day he did give me a really hard time but it comes from a place of him really caring. You know, it, I, I was hard for Kel with that time because I was still obviously living with Todd and we'd made the call that I would, um, you know, was going to be with Kel but I had to continue living with Todd and pack the house up and all that. And, uh, you know, it was really, it was that was a really hard time where, you know, we, we fought constantly. Kel was so jealous and I was just trying to balance everything on a knife's edge all the time and walk on eggshells everywhere and, oh, God, it was the most harrowing couple of weeks and months before we all, like, I moved in with Kel. Uh, But, yeah, it's like it just seems like such a lifetime ago now. It was hard actually because, Mm. like, I think in hindsight it would have been better for PG to have some time to herself just to readjust and yeah. you know for us to sort of I suppose date really yeah um but like it's called U-Haul the lesbian U-Haul thing <laughs> where they lesbians move in together really quickly um and so there was joyous bits in that because like you've suddenly got your you know your soulmate living with you and we would you know we would have great times mm. but I think um, PG was also like mourning her relationship with Todd and yeah. it probably would have been better if she could have had time to do that by herself. Yeah, definitely. Um, you struggled with that, didn't I you? I did. And I don't think I was expecting to mourn it because I had made the decision to break up. And so I, I don't, it was, it was shocking to me that I was grieving it and I didn't even know what grief was at that point. And so suddenly you know, I'd be having this great time with Kelly, but I'd be thinking about this lost opportunity with Todd. And, you know, I remember talking about it with my counsellor going, have I made the wrong decision? Like, here I am constantly thinking about Todd, but I do want to be with Kelly. I think it took about six months, would you say? Yeah, I was going to say that. To just have us breathe into the relationship a bit. Kelly and I worked through a lot of things. And, you know, that that first year in a relationship is tough. You, You know, constantly working out how push and pull and, yeah. you know, who does what in the relationship. And and we ended up having some counselling together about just how to communicate and I think that probably saved us really because oh, we, us. yeah, we were quite opposites in, you know, we have triggers that um, push each other and, yeah, the counselling made us aware of that. And you can be aware of it and still not really do it but, yeah, it took time and, mm. I mean, we got there, didn't we? We did, amazingly. All the hard times, the fear and the doubt were worth it. Amazingly, Kel and I have celebrated 14 years this year and so, like, that just seems extraordinary, really. Oh, yeah, looking back, like, Todd really was a remarkable person. Yes. And, but I think because everyone wanted the same thing, essentially, it works out. Yeah. But 
I think even when you want the same thing, you can still behave badly yeah. just because it's, you know, it can can get tetchy or whatever. Yeah. Todd is a remarkable person. But he is, yeah. And, you know, like he was probably thinking, great, take her. It's good. No, go, Kel, seriously. I think he was actually now that I've done the 14 years. <laughs> Today, 14 years later, Kelly and PG are happier than ever. They're married, they have an incredibly successful makeup business together and 15 months ago they gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. He's um, PG's DNA. Um, and but I carried him, so it feels like we're both a really strong part of him, and I like it's really amazing that, isn't it? He's just this spark of joy, and he always smiles, and he just gives you so much love and happiness. And we don't sleep enough, you know. Like life is stressful, and it's like tricky to juggle it all. But we wouldn't have it any other way, you know. We we feel really blessed, and we feel so lucky that we've got this extraordinary human in Tristan to share our lives, and you know the cats, and you know this great business that we get to change how women view themselves and I mean seriously like it's an amazing life we are so lucky so blessed yeah and I think like you know you might say from what we've said oh you know we found out happily ever after because of how we felt about each other and I think that's what society makes you think you know you find that perfect person and then everything's rosy and it's fine and it's not and I think you know that's okay and people should talk about that more because we've had some really rocky times some ups and downs and what I am always grateful for is that I have somebody who will put up with my shit to um, help me become a better person and that is that's a gift and like at times it's hard but you know PG thanks for that because um, you know I wouldn't be who I am today without you um, helping me and just being patient and letting me behave badly, <laughs> you know, while I come to, I, I got to a point where I could work on some of that stuff, and um, I think I've done that for you as well. Like yeah, we've both done that for each other. We have, we have, and you know, we're really lucky. Next time on Everyone Has an Ex. Gets to a point where I'm like in a bit of a financial situation and I'm like, okay, I might sell my engagement ring, um, this big, beautiful diamond and, you know, the, the ring that I loved and I walk into the pawn shop and the guy's like, that's cut glass. It's not a diamond. So the time with which he did this beautiful thing for me, he was giving me a fucking piece of shit that and telling me it was a real diamond. I was like, fuck, he was, he was messed up for a lot longer than I thought. Everyone Has an Ex is written and narrated by me, Georgia Love, produced by Linda Scott and edited by Matt Sofo. Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you. If you like what you've just heard, please hit subscribe, write a review and leave us five stars. If you think you've got a better story, send it to us at everyonehasanex at mintymedia.com.au. That's M-I-N-T-Y media.com.au. And follow us on Instagram at at everyonehasanex.